0: Today's episode of the No Fun City Podcast is brought to you by Black Rhino Creative. Check out their Tell a Story Hive docuseries, Red Chef Revival, and be sure to check them out at blackrhinocreative.com. Black Rhino Creative, a long story short. Welcome to the No Fun City Podcast, episode 13. March 13th, Friday the 13th, episode 13, all by chance, I think not. And today, if you're watching the podcast, not listening to it, that's where right, i watching because you could catch it on YouTube if you wanted to, you'd notice that we are not in our everyday studio. And that is because we have a very special guest. I got a phone call two weeks ago about a story about a boxer. And today we're going to tell his tale. So today with me, sitting right across from me, is Leo Samorelli. Correct, right? Samorelli. Correct. You got that, right? Yeah. I was like practicing it.
1: Right, you should say it in an Italian voice next time just yeah. to make it. Samarelli. Samarelli.
0: <laughs> so, Leo, real quick, um, why don't you tell us your story from, I guess, the get go? Let's start from when you were childhood doing boxing, because we know that's where this started, correct?
1: Yeah. So,
0: why don't you tell us about, I guess, your childhood first and how you got into boxing?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been an athlete even before boxing, you know, I've been soccer. Basketball, wrestling, um, wrestling with my brothers here and there, fighting around. Um, uh, but my boxing um, life started all in Italy, um, in a province called Puglia, and in a city called Monopoly. That's where my dad grew up. Um, both my mom and my dad they're they're both um, immigrants here in, in, in Vancouver, in Canada. And um, yeah, I started I started boxing there. When I was 14 years old, um, I came across a little, honestly, a, a little uh, a gym, like the size of two rooms put together. It was, uh, it was that, you know, you step into that gym and you get like that rocky feeling, you know, that it was, yeah, it was this amazing experience um, stepping in that gym for the first couple of times.
0: How old were you at this time? Um,
1: I was 14 years old. Okay. 14 15 years old and um yeah coincidentally the uh, owner of the gym Piero Pietro Verdiani He's um he was a boxer himself and also a friend of my um of my father's too mm-hmm. so i don't know it was, it was it all came together pretty pretty quick um i started instead of going to soccer practice i ended up going to boxing and also coming from a medical family you know my my dad my mom they're both medical backgrounds my uncle he was a doctor in Italy and at the time I was living there um, with him and uh, he yeah they, they didn't like boxing they didn't like boxing and yeah that you know you know when you're a kid and you're and you, and your mom and your dad says oh you're you can't you can't do that you know obviously you're, you're gonna do it right mm-hmm. um, yeah so I started uh, I started there and the first competitions were, um, interregionals and, um, it was a tournament kind of setting, right? Um, you go in there, you fight a couple fights depending on who you're, who's in your weight class In my weight class, there was like five guys there and I ended up, uh, winning the whole thing. Um, yeah. And those were my first fights too. So yeah, I was, I was a dedicated, it, sh- it showed me dedication, you know, um, getting into that into that ring, and, and boxing just brought something out of me that I never knew I had. I was, yeah, I was um, a kid who um, lacked confidence sometimes. Mm-hmm. I was, I was even scared of public speaking in times, and and speaking in front of people too. Coming, you know, at a young age too. So, um, boxing brought that out of me. You know, you're a performer. At the end of the day, boxing, you know, people are watching you and yeah, it goes, it goes, it's more than just boxing. Do you think you're more of a performer than you are an athlete? Um, no, definitely. Um, oh, in boxing in general? Yeah. Um, Well, you're
0: just like, you're, you're a performer, right? Yeah. So do you I like to put on a
1: show. I like, you know, I like to get everyone engaged, especially when I'm fighting. I'm sure if you hear everyone or talk to anyone who watched me fight before, I was an exciting fighter. Mm -hmm. I did- Um, I did a lot of, you know, kind of cool moves and and a little bit of flashiness here and there, but, um, yeah, I was an exciting, I like, I like making people, you know, say, wow, that was, that was entertaining. That was fun to watch. You know, that was, um, yeah, that's what really, that's what I loved.
0: I mentioned earlier,
1: Friday the 13th, March
0: 13th is a significant day for you, apparently from what I'm told. So what is the significance of March 13th?
1: yeah so um coming back to march thirteenth twenty seventeen about three years ago here um i i was i was shot i um coming out of my car in in north Vancouver out of all the places um and I was shot not once but i was shot four times um I got in my car getting ready to go to boxing um, getting my stuff and came out of my car and i turned and someone said my name and i turned around and immediately i was sh- i was shot once um, no twice in the abdomen turned around twice in the rib and then uh once in the back and um you know that one to the back people asked me actually you know how did it feel how did it feel to 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 physically feel that impact of those you know high velocity bullets going into you. And, uh, you know, there is no punch that I felt like that. Like mm-hmm. that was, um, it was almost like a baseball bat with such force going into you. And, um, yeah, I was shot right outside of my mom's house in North Vancouver. And yeah, it was That must
0: have been uh, pretty scary. Was your mom home?
1: No, actually, um, my mom was uh, boarding a plane with my uh, little brother. Oh, wow. And they were going to meet my older brother um, in in the Philippines, mm-hmm. and um, they were hopping on board, um, and and it was yeah it was yeah, it was a crazy time honestly so many things happened um, so wrong but also right at that time mm-hmm. um, I couldn't explain it um, someone was definitely watching out for me um, and. Yeah, I'm I'm just so blessed to be here um, every day. So you, I
0: assume, obviously get sent to the hospital. Mm-hmm. When do you realize that you've lost your legs or the ability to walk?
1: So going back to that day after I was shot, um, the gunman, you know, immediately took off. Mm-hmm. I was on the ground uh, bleeding. I was still conscious. I um, was kind of crawling towards the door. I knew that my mom and my little brother weren't weren't home. No one was home. And I yeah, immediately, you know, it, at that moment it's your life kind of flashes between your life kind of flashes in your mind, right? You know, did I is this it? Is this over? And honestly, not a lot of people have that experience, but um it's life and death, you know? Um mm. it's it's that it's that real. It's that real and Sometimes you don't um, Well, I, I I didn't know. I, I didn't know if I was going to make it um, that last bullet to the spine. It, it was a neurological shock. I've never felt in my life a sensation that um, that was just a shock throughout my whole body. It mm-hmm. was it was like getting electrocuted, but it was as simple as just turning off the lights as soon as I was hit the, in that area. I was I was dropped to the ground. Uh, immediately um, and fortunately i had um I was fumbling with my phone um trying to call someone um but since i you you're in shock, your body's literally in shock after after this after what happened and yeah i I, I tried fumbling and calling people uh, I tried calling my neighbor and there was no answer and then I got a Kind of a call back, and a neighbor, another neighbor, came out from outside. This was in the middle of the daytime. It's not a nighttime. This isn't like you know middle of the day. Everyone's at work. And Everyone's school. at school, yeah. and like yeah, I'm pretty sure it maybe happened around three or something like that. Like mm-hmm. that's a pretty you know crazy time to do something like that. Um, and yeah, the neighbor came out. Um, I said I was shot. I was trying to talk to him, I was like, I was shot and you know, I need go go call the ambulance. Call the call everyone and yeah, I asked for a shirt and I got the shirt and I held down my wounds with the shirt um after I was bleeding. At this state your body's just again, it's in shock. Um, you get all this all these chemicals going to you, right? You're in survival mode. You're in survival mode. And um you're all you're also really, really cold. I, I remember feeling so cold and it was, it was sunny that day I was so cold uh, laying down on the ground like that. Helpless. Helpless. Um, and can you imagine not being able to move your legs? It's kind of a, a surreal experience where, where you just turned off the light and all of a sudden your legs didn't work and you're on the floor and you can't get up, right? Um, Did you realize you've lost the ability in
0: your leg at that moment or were you so shocked by everything that was going on that you weren't even paying attention to the fact that you couldn't move the lower half of your body
1: no i definitely knew that something was wrong i didn't know specifically it was a spinal cord injury actually it probably did come to my mind but again life or death i needed to you know that was not top that, was, that doesn't kind of go through your mind, but you know something's wrong, right? You know mm. that, "Wow, I can't move my legs, I can't get back up." That's the first instinct that we have. Once you get hit down, hit on the ground, or you fall, what do you do? You try to stand up, right? Yeah. And that itself, you know, I couldn't stand up. It was a shock. It was just yeah, but on top of that, bleeding out, seeking for help, you know, um, bodies in shock, losing blood you know, that's, that's, yeah, that was the reality of the whole, the whole thing, the whole situation I felt, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, if it wasn't for those people who who helped me out that day, for sure, I don't know if I would still be here, um, calling the um, 911 and uh, and, um, giving me that shirt to, to hold my wounds. um, And yeah, for, for the help. As soon as that happened, the um, undercover officer came um, un- in normal clothing. Uh, you wouldn't even know he's an officer. And he came and um, I guess his job was to make sure the area itself was safe before the paramedics uh, and everyone there to come in and help me, right? Mm-hmm. So I was laying on the floor for a, a, a while. It felt like a long time. It felt like a long time because, honestly, yeah, he didn't really say much to me when I saw him. I was like, "Help me, I'm shot." And he's all he said was like, "Where did he go?" And I said, "He took off, right?" And then that was what his job was to, uh, with his gun gun drawn, was to go and, um, uh, and and make sure the area was safe, mm-hmm. you know, and. Um, yeah after he made sure the area was clear um I didn't see I don't think I've seen him after that um but the ambulance i guess he called in the ambulance ambulance came and um again uh I didn't know if I was gonna make it uh I was looking at myself there's a lot of blood, and I couldn't move my legs, and yeah, I knew that my family was in there too, so yeah, it was it was it was crazy. I then was put on a stretcher and then put in the ambulance. And after that happened, I kind I kind of knew that um I was going to I was going to make it through. Okay. I knew everything was going to be okay. I knew that I survived after that. After hitting that ambulance stretcher uh, inside the ambulance, I, I knew I knew that was that was it. I knew I, I did. I survived. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. How long were you in the hospital for? Um,
0: Sorry, uh, wait. Rough, Real quick. Yeah. Because I know some people are dying to know that are listening to this. Did mm-hmm. they catch the guy who shot you? No, they
1: didn't catch the guy. The guy got away, yeah. They actually, um, the news and, and police say it was a, um, another shooting happened that day. And 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 I don't know Surrey or or somewhere else, um, in another city, very close here. And and they um they tried linking it together, but um I think they found the guy for that shooting, but it wasn't it wasn't um linked together. It mm-hmm. wasn't yeah. It was I, I I'm it, sure was it was just separate, random at the fact. I'm sure you know. it was it's the separate separate guys. For yeah. sure. Do you remember what like? Had
0: you seen that guy before or? You just I never even... I've never
1: seen the guy before. Yeah. I've never seen the guy before. Okay. Uh, I turned around, he was wearing red. I haven't seen the guy before.
0: So you're in the hospital for how many days?
1: Um, it was a while in 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 um VGH. Actually they they kinda semi stabilized me in in um Lionsgate, which is a North Van, and then they brought me to uh to VGH where I could um, was stable enough to go through the surgeries i i could um i was able to get there right yeah. they needed to call in special people uh surgeons and spinal cord surgeons and even probably a gunshot wound kind of specialized guy mm-hmm. maybe military maybe i'm pretty sure it was a military guy but yeah they needed to call in some guys and and they did a really good job in um keeping me alive and and stable and yeah if it wasn't for them, I definitely wouldn't be here either, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So
0: when did the doctor tell you that
1: I was in a coma and a I lot. got out of the coma. once I got out of my coma, I saw, you know, I then saw my mom, my brother and my older brother there. Mm-hmm. Um, And when that happened, I uh, yeah, it was all the drugs they have you in that hospital. Right. You're kind of just unaware of things. You're kind of woozy and and you're not, you're not the same. Right. So um, yeah, it was, it was great. It was great. Like obviously a sign of relief, you know, and the impact it had on my family to see me like that, you know, not just for me, for sure. It's tough for me. But can you imagine being my mom Mm -hmm. almost being and and almost boarding that plane if she arrived in where she was going to arrive to in the Philippines? And then Having to, having knowing that something happened to me, having to come back, it would have been terrible. So she wasn't on the plane. She was boarding on the plane. How they just got? To I guess time. I'm not too sure. I actually I haven't asked her that to, to this day. Um, um, but I'm pretty sure they got a phone call from one of my neighbors, my close neighbors, who found me there, mm-hmm. saying, "Don't board the plane." Um, and my older brother, as well, in the Philippines, um, waiting for them too that something happened to Leo and he was shot. there's actually a really good ar- article on on the um on the internet on it's unsinkable and it's it's coming from my brother's uh perspective and my family's perspective. Oh that's cool. And uh yeah, it's it's called Unsinkable and um you can uh take a look at it online. It's pretty it's pretty uh detailed and stuff like that of all the everything that happened, which is again crazy cuz yeah, uh, I couldn't imagine if she hopped on that plane and and or other things happened that day. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm almost I mean, I don't know how you would feel about this, but
0: if I was literally in your shoes, I would almost be thankful that my mom and my brother were not in the home when this happened. To oh, me. for sure. Do you also feel the same
1: for way sure? It was that? it was definitely targeted towards me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the guy, the guy came up, shot me. Well, yeah. I just mean we, we, like we can't we can, we don't know, we don't know what the outcome would have been for sure, yeah, but yeah, of course you're we're all we're all glad no one else was yeah was well, not just
0: no one else was hurt, but the fact like it would like your mom seeing you like that at yeah. that time, at least when she saw you, you were in the hospital yeah. at that point, correct, yeah, for sure, so it was like you know a little bit of a different situation, mm-hmm. but to find your son after he had just been shot, yeah, like in your driveway or whatever it may yeah. be, blood everywhere and all that jazz, not knowing. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like that, in a sense, was at least like a moment that was well avoided, you yeah. know, on your mom's end and oh, your 100%. brother. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So it was kind of, in a yeah. sense, bittersweet, but... Yeah, it yeah. was like
1: perfect timing. <laughs> Definitely. Like, yeah.
0: So... You're in the hospital. You're in and out of this coma, this coma, and you're also, you know, on drugs. So you don't probably really know what days or Can't how really, many days are going exactly. by. When you come to, when you're finally all said and done, mm-hmm. I'm assuming doctor walks in, and does he tell you, or do you already know loss of legs is, is...
1: Uh, coming from an athletic athlete's perspective? Mm-hmm. You know, you break your arm, you wait a couple weeks, or you you break something. Um, you get a cut, you know, and time will heal, right? And um, that's the kind of mindset I had, is these guys don't know anything about me. As soon as I heard that, I kind of started laughing. I was like, these guys don't know anything about me. I'm going to walk out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to walk out of here, heal, and get back to my, what, I, I need I need to get back together and, and find, you know, find out what happened and, and all that stuff. So, um, no, I didn't. I, I, I didn't accept it. Mm-hmm. The reality of, of of the what happened, right?
0: Were you mad when you woke up? Um, I
1: was, I was, I was angry. I was, of course, I couldn't move my legs. Mm-hmm. My, my stomach was ripped wide open. Bullets and tubes and breathing tubes and IVs and everything just attached to me. Um, I got scars all over my body and Um, a massive, massive scar on in my abdomen region and um, was wide open. So I can see the insides, there's a vac attached to it, where a see through vac where I can just like I woke up and I took a look. And I was like, wow, like, that's the insides of me. I can literally see inside of me right now. With a vac there. A vac was because the two bullets hit the abdomen region and made Um, and it hit the intestines, right? You got biofluid there, right? You got Mm -hmm. all those little, um, digestive fluids and everything like that there. So uh, it just made a mess of things It made a mess of things. And then you're prone to infections. I actually had pneumonia. I had sepsis there. My blood was my, you know, blood poisoning and all that stuff there. So I could have even died through that. Mm -hmm. I, I could have died through just that, just that being in that critical condition. I could have, I could have gone, gone after that. So. Um. yeah it was on top of that you're not really thinking straight and stuff and you know uh, your hands are the, can you imagine yourself if you woke up and you just you know you took a look and you just woke up and you, th- you know being in a coma people ask me what was it like and it was just kind of like a dream after a dream almost and all the stuff and medications that they give you don't help in that, in that state and they actually a lot of other instances and other people they say that's probably the most traumatizing thing is is not knowing that in reality right Kind of, kind of stay that psychosis like oh my gosh like is this real it was crazy and then waking up and just being like holy cow your first reaction is to just grab everything and just like kind of like get me out of here Mm -hmm. It actually ended up binding my hands to the to the bed bed. because I was like, holy cow, I just all I want to do is grab that tube in my mouth that was going all the way in my throat. And all this. Yeah, it was. Yeah, all I want to do is I actually grabbed it a couple times and tried to head it out. That's why they bind my hands um, to the. um, But if you were awake
0: and you were able to do that, like wouldn't you were your lungs not able to breathe on their own at that point?
1: Um, At first um i had machines breathing for me i had a yeah. breathing tube and everything like that um and then they were able to stabilize me and, and figure out everything and and kind of take the tube out after a certain amount of of time okay. um, of healing right but i didn't need a tube to breathe first right mm-hmm. um i still have a i still have a bullet um lodged in my lung oh, um wow. yeah it's about like the size kind of thing and uh is there a reason why that one's still there? Um, I don't I think it's just stabilized with the body. Uh, I think what the body likes to do is form a calcium kind of or like form a kind of shell around the bullet. Oh, it's okay. interesting what our bodies are able to do and um, doing from all this medical stuff you have to learn about you know, your body and, mm-hmm. and different things like that. But yeah, it's uh, definitely the bullets in my in my back and in my abdomen all shattered they took one bullet out but there's definitely still fragments of that um one of the biggest um thoughts was obviously the lead from the bullets themselves um in the blood you know lead's not is toxic in in our, yeah. in our bodies um and having um, you know a high amount of lead in your body is is can cause you know lots of lots of um, things you know um To your brain, it circulates around your body. So, yeah, it's.
0: So why didn't they take that one out?
1: Um, I think the um, the bullets they were just on all these little fragments. It was just, it was just they would have to like literally pick them out. And again, yeah, (laughs) yeah, they'd have to like all these little little fragments and. Oh, they're super tiny. Super tiny, right? They exploded on the bone. I have lots of shattered um, stuff in me. So, yeah, and and. Yeah. Fractures from from the bullet itself. Yeah. Did you ever Um, want to find the person
0: who did this? For sure. No, I mean, like personally, like not not. For sure. But did you like wake up? I can only imagine that like I would wake up with a vengeance. Yeah.
1: With a vengeance. Right. Yeah. More than a vengeance. I can imagine what my brothers were feeling, too. If someone did that to my brother, I'd, I'd, you know, yeah, I, I definitely So how did, did you
0: cope with that? Like how did you not go I on know this person?
1: That I need to work on myself before I can even think like that. Yeah. I needed to get back on my feet. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to regroup and 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 get that support I needed first. You know, that's <laughs> that's what you tell yourself at that time like you know, just wait. Wait till I get out and get up again and then and then I'm going to, you know, I don't know. You're gonna try to look for him, or you know, go undercover or something like that. That movie
0: with Liam Neeson, well, all of Liam Neeson movies uh, where he Taken or something like that. (laughs) I was I was literally
1: thinking like that, like you know,
0: he's on the phone. He's
1: like, "I will find you. I will find you." Yeah. Uh, Honestly, like that's it was a movie. It was it was like a movie. I mean, when I woke up, there was armed guards around me. It was like a scene out of Breaking Bad or something like that. It was, you know, no one was allowed to see me. You know, they didn't know what was going on. You know, like. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff going around on mm-hmm. Un- unanswered questions and yeah, it was just a crazy experience. No one was allowed to see me just family uh special author- authorization to see me. Um, you know. Yeah, you don't really hear hear that around the city too. I mean, the city's getting crazier and crazier too, right? With all the violence here and there and yeah. And 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 there's more, there's other stories out there that you don't hear. Um, but yeah, there's, there's,
0: you no. wake up angry, you find out you can't walk,
1: can't right? walk. There's a tube in my dick.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Uh-huh. Sorry. That's a little bit funny.
1: It hurts. <laughs> oh bro. Uh, oh, I'm not. How do you pee? Like, you just pee and it goes through the tube and. Oh, for sure. It's uh, a catheter, right? Yeah. The catheter goes right into your, it's directly, you're in a coma. You can't Don't. piss. Yeah. Imagine if you wake up, right? You see your outsides, and, and you see your insides from this vac, and then you see a machine. I all these machines that, that are tied to you that are inside your body, and then you're like, "All right, let's check. Let's check Willie downstairs <laughs> to see if he was shot off," and then. Jeez. Thankfully,
0: they didn't tell you anything like this time when you woke up and you're like, like, hey, this is wrong with you. This is what's happened. I mean they do
1: they come to a certain point brother breaks news to me, you know, or or the doctor comes in tells you all this stuff, but you're just in a crazy mind, you know, there's too much to process at this time. Yeah, this is all happening to you. Right. And you can't, you know, you're all on these drugs too, like, Yeah,
0: I assume the next step is rehab. Like rehabilitation.
1: After a long process of um, little surgeries here and there, a stent in my liver, you know, um, staples in me, um, left in my staples and and, and and stitches, after all that, after stabilized, after dealing with some pain, I mean dealing with a lot of pain at that time physically, neuro- you know, in a neurological way, ner- nerve pain too. Mm-hmm. Um, after all that, then you get to see a little bit of rehab at the um, at at the v- at VGH. Basically, that's that's where I did my that's so where how I was long there. Did that last? I mean, that that's just the minor, minor, minor things, you know, yeah. after being bed rest and, and and yeah, after being bed rest and waking up, you know, after two, if, if you spend two weeks just sitting down, like if you were in a coma, you know, your body just, you know, you you don't eat, you're on fluids, your body just shrivels up, you lose everything, muscle, fat, you know, stays here and there in some places, but you lose everything. I was like 90 pounds, 90, 95 pounds in there, like nothing. Oh, wow. I was a shriveled raisin in there, like I was, yeah, it was, I was yeah I was zero. I started back from zero. That mm-hmm. was yeah, um, so tell me a little bit about the the rehab. I guess
0: at some point, you're working like your legs, I'm sure, even though doctors are telling you, hey, you know you're not gonna walk again, but they'd mm-hmm. still do rehabilitation on your legs at that point, correct or not
1: um at that time, no no, 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 even. This is not the rehab facility. Yeah, still. This is still a VGH. This is in you know, acute care. This is this is still, um, you know, you're in the hospital. Yeah. You know, you don't just go from the hospital real quick to your, your rehab. Yeah. So you know? How long
0: are we talking that you're in the
1: hospital? Uh, it's probably Six like months. Months. Yeah, a couple months. I don't remember. I actually don't remember the how long I was in there for. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely some months okay. some months there. Yeah,
0: and clearly depression.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. I couldn't walk. Yeah. I was bed rest. Um, I was bed rest. I had pneumonia. I was spitting out. Um, you know, I was spitting out phlegm. You know, when you're pneumonia, you know, it's all in your lungs. You spit out fluids, right? You can't eat. You're on fluids. Literally, you can't eat. You know, mm-hmm. for, for maybe like two, three weeks, uh-huh. I can eat. So, yeah, again, losing all that weight, energy. Even when someone came in to talk to me, uh, it was like a couple, couple minute conversation, and then I'd be like, Ugh, and then f- just fall asleep in the middle You're of the tired. conversation. Like yeah. your body is running at such a low percentage that you know, like your phone, you put it on battery saving mode, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, you have you know you have to be stabilized and sustaining that energy, right? Mm-hmm. And the first workout was like blowing into these into these uh into this little I forgot the name of it. It was a cylinder tube where three balls are in and you breathe and and you if you can get all three balls up, you know, that's what you're getting for. I can only get up one ball before yeah. I'm like you know, before you're out of breath. Oh wow. So yeah. The the damage sustained sustained, you know, all that, you know, like all the damage I had was you know, it's crazy. It's incredible. Yeah. But I um when I went through. So let's go into the actual rehab portion. Then. Okay.
0: All right. So you leave the hospital at some point point. Mm-hmm. and you go
1: into, I don't know, is it active
0: rehab or is it?
1: It's basically like it's it's called it's GF Strong Rehabilitation Center, right? Okay. Uh, it's uh, and uh, and it is basically um, I look at it like a school, honestly. And, you know, you have your classes throughout the day, Mm -hmm. four o'clock, five o'clock. That's basically, you know, everyone goes home, you know, the teachers go home and then you're left there in your bed kind of thing. And, you know, oh, so you stay, stay, you stay there, you stay there. Right. You actually stay there. Yeah. Yeah. Again, and you have to relearn spinal cord injury is is I'm surprised with the number of people who actually don't know about the spinal cord injury um, because there's bowel function, bladder function. You know, that is affected sexual function that is affected in many other cases. Everyone is kind of different depending on what level of spinal cord injury you are, mm-hmm. you know, thoracic, lower lumbar, um, sacral. And then you got, you know, um, the neck, you know.
0: So just for people who may not know the differences between those two, do you want to quickly outline that or do you know? Yeah, I
1: I, could, I know briefly. Um, uh I know the basics, you know. I'm a thoracic. I'm I'm, you know, the part of the spinal cord itself. The um so it goes um, you know, the thoracic vertebrae. That's where I'm injured, like kind of the midway of the spine, the okay. lower lumbar area, and then you got the um, um oh, I forgot the other one. Sacral. That's like by the tailbone. Oh, of, okay. Yeah, and then you got the quads, right? If you break your neck, you know, up here, mm. kind of, you know, that's you know where you start losing a lot of other function like your hands and stuff like that. So each part of the spinal cord has all these different functions mm-hmm. that, like all these nerves endings and stuff go to, right? And yeah, that's why you see like a quadriplegic um, or you know a paraplegic. You know mm-hmm. their hands they can't use some a lot of people can't use their hands. Uh, you know a spinal cord injury um, for me thoracic. You know I can't use my legs. And, you know, then you got to start doing with bladder and bowel function, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's different in everyone, everyone, you know, incomplete, complete. I can feel if someone was like, I can feel my legs, you know, I'm kind of incomplete. I can't feel my legs. I'm complete, complete injury and I have no um, feeling in my legs, but I feel pain in my legs. Neurological Mm -hmm. pain, like something's on fire like my legs are burning kind of thing. Always? Um, Always. Wow. Yeah. I'm probably a steady out of 10, uh, probably a steady three, three uh, throughout the day. Do you have that right now? Yeah. Like talking to me. Oh, yeah. And your mood also adds into it. Yeah. So if you piss me off right now, I'm gonna, yeah. you know, that's gonna increase I'd my. I piss off a lot of people. I mean, so that's what <laughs> I did. Don't yeah. lunge at me though. Oh, bro, you can be so. Su- you'll be okay, surprised. Okay, side if...
0: question. I wanted to ask this before. Yeah. When asking out, you're still a pro boxer, right? If we got in a boxing <laughs> ring, okay, but I still have the abilities of my leg t- to like actually move around and box you. Yeah. Will you still be able to kick my butt?
1: I have never. I've never. You know what? I'm gonna say yeah.
0: Yeah, I believe yeah. you, too. Yeah.
1: I mean, here's if we're why. fighting in ring, you just the need ring. one punch. If we're fighting in you the ring, you just need ring. one punch. That's I'm going to go it. where I can hit the liver. You're nuts. You're going, really? Right there. Oh, I'll no, go. No, in no, there. no. Don't do that. No. <laughs> legit, I mean, <laughs> I'll legit go straight. boxing rules.
0: You got to hit the liver. It's right there, right in front you of have you. Yeah, the guinea's and liver. And it'll take me down. Yeah. Right? But me, I got to be smart with my punches. You do. Right? And I got to be quick in, in and out. Yeah. Speaking of quick in and outs, I did watch a couple of your fights. Actually, one of your fights.
1: Oh, nice. Against.
0: I want to say his name was Isaac something.
1: Oh, it was I It was a, yeah, Isaiah Smith. It was a really... Did you... Uh,
0: that yeah. guy was just not... That was you actually, were in and out, left, right? Like, you were ducking yeah. him really well. Yeah. It I was a very... through that fight, he was...
1: It was like... I think he broke his nose. Uh, I, I broke his nose at little Well, the ref fight. stopped the fight yeah. at some point. Yeah. Yeah. That was
0: a good fight.
1: That was a super early fight. I know, yeah. Way. That's why I mentioned that was it. was a super because early Because it part. was early in your career. Yeah. Really, yeah. really early, but yeah, um, yeah, that was, that's up there. It was there. a fun fight, yeah, yeah. it was definitely a fun okay.
0: Fight. So, you have this burning feeling in your leg, yeah, all the time. How do you not go crazy over that?
1: There's you know, there's lots of ways that you can deal with pain, you know, obviously, at the attitude you have towards pain, right? Mm-hmm. This pain doesn't go away, um, and that is why I do sports, you know, sports. I live in the moment, I do something active, um, and you know it kind of takes away it takes it takes an edge off that pain mm-hmm. you know once you're focused and doing other things right um i don't take any nerve pain medication i did before gabapentin um something like nortripline too was was what i took and and other um other stuff i might i've i've tried cbd and stuff too mm-hmm. cbd was it was good kind of relaxes you relax the body um yeah i did find a a little bit of help in the CBD aspect of things. I don't take it right now. Um, but yeah, it's also good in, in anti-inflammatory as well. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of swelling here and there. But uh, yeah, I don't, um, yeah, I don't, I, I deal with my pain. Um, there's many ways to deal with the pain. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the spinal cord injury community, people, people take med- medication, you know. Um, is there a danger to that though? I mean, I, I just, I had a very, um bad experience bad experiences with with, with that and, you want to talk about it um yeah like i just never yeah like was there a form i'm just of very stubborn honestly i was a, i'm a stubborn. stubborn
0: as in you didn't want to take it or stubborn as in you took it and maybe like it you needed it you know what i mean because yeah. like um with oxycodone for example people can get addicted yeah, to that quite quickly 100%. so was the medication and the stuff that they were giving you uh along the same lines of like things that you might uh take to help you cope or at least help the pain but then mm-hmm. also suddenly you realize like hey i'm using this more and more often yeah. or i need this more and more you know or i'm not having it right now and i'm maybe craving it? Was there anything like that when it yeah, came to the medication? Yeah, actually eating? there
1: was, there was definitely, especially with a hydromorphone, um, which is like, yeah, it was an opioid. Yeah. And um, for sure, uh, you know, in the hospital, you can just call the nurse, I need more, I need more, I need more, right? And you're sitting there, you just want to feel good. For sure, there was a point of, of time in the hospital, I was like that, you mm-hmm. know, I just want to feel good right now. Numb. I just, you know, I don't want to deal with myself. right now. So how do you get past that? Um, I got past that um, slowly. I'm not I'm not against medication. I'm not against pain meds. Pain meds do so much. They save so many lives. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, the way I did it, you know, was wasn't right. You know, I just I cut the tail off the donkey right right after rehab. I was like, I'm not taking anything. And oh, that's it. Turkey. I went cold turkey, yeah. and that itself was the hardest battle one of one of the hardest battles I've had to face, too. Because I not only cut off the pain meds, I cut off um, um, a lot of the um, SSRIs that they gave me for uh, post traumatic post traumatic stress disorder. Right? You know, um, kind right, of what right, right. The Marines deal with after coming back from Afghanistan and war. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, like oh my gosh, who's there? Right? Kind of. Like, You know, heightened sense, um, paranoid out in public, stuff like that. I was just going to ask that. So were you always? Oh, 100%. I I had, you know, I had very, very sharp, uh, yeah, very sharp senses and and thoughts. You know, what happens if this happened? Maybe I need to get something to protect myself. Something like that. Do you still worry? Uh, I don't worry. Mm -hmm. I don't worry. I really don't because there was no reason to shoot me. Yeah, I don't think those, you know there was no reason why they would come back. Mm-hmm. Why they would, you know, there was no reason for that. And yeah. You were boxing at the time. So do you think part of the reason no. maybe
0: had to do with that?
1: Um, no, no, I don't think so. Someone got pissed off that you went yeah. out in one round? for sure. At that time, you know, I you thought about this be, even before I was getting shot. I had a, you know, a rough couple of years, you know, uh, before that a year before a year and a half ago or two years ago. Before that, my dad passed away, okay. uh, suddenly in Italy, right? And, um, and, you know, I looked up to him a lot. And my uncle passed away from cancer, just pancreatic cancer, just before my dad, too. Oh, wow. And hey, I lived with him in Italy, I looked up to him, he was my biggest role model in life. And, um, and I, 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 yeah, and before that, even that going even to more depth, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I'm, I'm not blaming these things. This is not right, Why? I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not blaming anything. You know, but it did shape a way of thinking for me. You know, of the desperation and how to deal with things, right? And and not dealing with things. People, you know, men today they don't want to talk about our feelings, right? Yeah. We don't. You know, that's the stigma is that you know we're tough. We're tough. But I never ended up talking to anyone about how I feel about how I felt about my cousin dying from a brain tumor when he was younger, or I never talked about um, uh, what I felt when my dad, when my uncle died or when my best friend died, you know, or when my dad died, Mm -hmm. I never ended up, you know, I kept that all inside and for sure boxing or the sports in general, just put that away, you know, for, for a bit, but I never was able to deal with those things. And it get me, it got me to a dark path. Mm -hmm. It really got me to a dark path going in uh, in a bad direction. And, 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 you know, getting involved with people that are, you know, not my friends, Yeah, you know, and being a high level boxer, you know, you're surrounded with people that are like, yeah, Leo, you know, you're my friend, right? Yeah. Mike Tyson had all those good people around him when he was champ. How many people stuck around after, you know, all that, yeah. all those allegations. And when he was down to his, in his hole. In the whole, you well, know, Well, he who's hates there.
0: Don King, too. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, I think recently there was an interview with Mike Tyson and Don King. They were in the same place. And Mike Tyson walks by Don King and Don King goes to tap him. He's like, don't touch me. Like, in front of, like, hundreds of people. He's like, don't touch me. It was scary. Like, it looked yeah. like he was going to knock him out. So it's weird because that was the promoter at the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Somebody who, well, I guess, I mean, he was making money off of him. But at the yeah. time, Don King was... Pretty close to all those fighters,
1: right oh, for sure, but I mean, boxing has a dirty a dirty side to it too yeah, the money side right? yeah people money, people are greedy, you know people take advantage of situations of course and not just Mike Tyson, you can look at many other um stories out there, of yeah. fighters getting ripped off and getting and taken advantage of mm-hmm. and um yeah for sure there's it's sturdy it's, there's a lot of money in boxing mm-hmm. you know it's entertainment Definitely. Know? I didn't lose hope in my body in terms of I need to rebuild it. I need to rebuild it. I know do- boxing's done boxing's over Bo- like wipe that out, left it away from your mind leo don't even think about it don't even watch it, don't even associate yourself with people there because it was just that kind of sadness mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it was that kind of sadness that. That I had. It was like a harsh breakup. It was. It was like a. It was worse than a harsh breakup. (laughs) You see it all the time, and a lot of my friends I play sports with, and and that's who I identified myself as before. I don't know who this Leo is. Mm -hmm. I wake up and I can't box anymore. Who is this guy? Who am I? You know, you lose, you lose. A little bit about yourself. You know, you're not that. You tell yourself you're not that person anymore. You don't identify as him. You're not the champ anymore. That's what you you tell yourself. You Honestly, you tell yourself even... I told myself worse things when I was down in that hole like that.
0: Real quick, going back to friends, because you just mentioned that. Mm -hmm. They were in the boxing circle. A lot of people, when they go through uh, traumatic experiences, whether it be, especially in the hospital, whether it be um, uh, cancer or, you know like getting paralyzed or, you know, huge accident. And then they kind of got to rebuild their life. Uh, A lot of people say that like uh, their support system Mm -hmm. sort of like falls apart, like people who are their friends aren't necessarily there anymore. Did you find that to be the case with you or did you find that all your friends that were there when you were boxing were still
1: there to support
0: you post accident?
1: Um. I think um, the circumstances of how I was injured for sure played a role of people coming by and wanting to come by and and say, man, are you okay? And, you know, um, but yeah, mm, yeah, I'd say maybe 10% of the people out of a hundred percent stayed by my side. There was a lot of people who just completely cut me off Mm -hmm. or didn't say anything or, or, you know message me or something like that but I think you know a lot of people stayed around they asked how I was doing they asked for support Um, yeah it was yeah it was the attitude I had too right Um,
0: Well, a lot of people don't want to be bogged down by no negativity negativity or, or not even just that just being in a miserable situation, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're looking at somebody and it's just
1: kind of like
0: upsetting. Everyone wants right? to be
1: with a champ. No <laughs> one wants to be with a loser. Yeah. No, one well, no be, one's
0: saying you're a loser. I'm just right?
1: saying no one wants to be down that low, you know, like yeah, like uh, experience that and feel that way. It's a rough, it's a very pivotal and rough time of my life. For yeah. sure. So how, Contemplating life itself. So
0: how does it end up that you get back into boxing?
1: So... Um, as in right now, I, that hasn't happened since the last year, mm-hmm. honestly, is when I start, you know taking the steps forward, stepping in a bo- rolling into a boxing ring and um, getting encouraged and meeting with old friends from boxing and, and stuff like that to encourage me to, to get back in there and, and to find different ways of training um, as well. Uh, Like, I don't have my legs anymore. I can't do squats. I can't do deadlifts. Um, I lose my balance. You know, I need a strap sometimes to hold me in. So, um, yeah, the whole dynamics of of finding a new way to train and to integrate myself back into a community I once knew, right? Um, Yeah.
0: So how did that happen?
1: Uh, Did you just wake up one day and go... I'm
0: going to go to the gym. And go no, boxing. it was a slow process. Yeah. It was a so... slow
1: process. It was um, I got I was encouraged with my f- my friends and my my boxing, the boxing community as well, mm-hmm. um, going to to that first match where I saw my my friend box. It was so sad and it still is sad. I'm not going to lie. It's sad. It's so sad to, to watch. Oh, that's where I could have been. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it was sad. It's It's very sad. It's a yeah. But um, I get through it, and um, I teach boxing, you know now um, I sit on the BC boxing board for able-bodied athletes. Okay. I write um, you know, last thing I was doing was um, uh, you know taking watching fights and giving my own analysis and judging them using a criteria, and they respect that. They like what I. They know I have an eye for boxing. Mm-hmm. They know I know boxing. They knew I was a high level boxer, um, and yeah, uh, that all those things combined kind of slowly, slowly dragged me into. Uh, drag, I didn't say drag me, but pull me into going back to boxing, the bo- the boxing world, mm-hmm. and yeah, um, going back to Rain, uh, Rain City Boxing, my. Um, Rain City Boxing here in Vancouver. Um yeah, that's where I do my adaptive boxing class and I was able to inspire other guys to to come in and just try it out, just try it out, you know, get some frustration out, you know? You wake up in the morning, your first thing you feel is pain. Mm-hmm. You know? Get out, and do that, whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, anything, any pain, right? You get into the ring, you or you box, you put some gloves on, you hit the you hit the bag, you do a little bit of sparring. You know, uh, that itself. So how did you hear about this adaptive boxing? Was
0: it already a thing? No,
1: it was not a thing. I um, so globally, there's no uh, there's talks around the world. Everyone's kind of doing their own kind of thing. um, Trying to get sanctioned in many countries. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's people out in the UK. Um, There's people World Adaptive Boxing Council. Um, They have a bunch of people, just a good big chat of people around the world doing kind of similar things and trying to get it to that sanctioned amateur level. And then there's people on the other side of the spectrum that are just trying to go immediately to pro. Um, And yeah, there's, there's lots of, you know, there's lots of talks around both, right? And, you know, look down at Mexico. I'm pretty sure they have their own. Um they have their own uh, sanctioned pro m- fights already. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, at the U yeah. So is there exhibitions here
0: go, or have you gone? And- no,
1: I mean they I always get asked. They actually asked to f- fly me out out in um to Mexico to do a couple of rounds, 3 4 minute so rounds and stuff. No. Why not? Uh, um I don't want to I can't ruin it for everyone right now. I like, mean, you ruin it. because I don't necessarily agree sometimes with the I don't really necessarily agree with um, the safety of things first. You know, there has to be a rules rules in place, which makes it safe for for adaptive athletes be- to, to do. You know, what are the what are the classifications? Am I going to be fighting an amputee? Am I, you know, who am I going to be fighting? There has to be classifications. Yeah, I was going to gonna ask there you. To is there, like someone who I'm going to fight, who's my weight, you know, or weight range that we agree on, yeah. or and uh, kind of the same ability level, mm-hmm. or that what I agree on as well. But there needs to be th- factors in place and rules, rules too, that you know make this sport safe. And if I ruin that yeah. and I show other people that boxing isn't safe, and 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 I show people that look, it's going to you know, hurt someone this even more of their disability or, or life in general. Um, what kind of example would I be? Would that set the sport, um, would it set set the bar higher? No, it would, it would, people would look at that and be like, no way. Mm-hmm. We're not going to allow that in the Paralympics. We're not going to allow that there. It's bigger than me. And that's why I don't like to do it yet. So... Are there weight classes? There is classifications uh, the biggest classification things I've heard was from the uh, World Adaptive Boxing Council in the UK. I think they're they're working towards getting that um, like lightweight. Heavy yeah. Heavy. Like, you know, weight classes, classifications on disability, mm-hmm. levels of disability, you know, um, some some space between to work with there. You know, you're not going to find the exact person, but, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to find an equivalent person to to box and um i've seen a lot of the amputees do it there was a big show a couple of mo- uh months back where um at bulldogs boxing there and um salmon arm or somewhere in the interior they they had some guys come from the uk and that's where um we kind of um talked to and um yeah they had an amputee and someone who was kind of visually impaired and a uh not fully visually impaired but um, they were both in a wheelchair uh sports wheelchair and then they were displaying amazing boxing mm-hmm. slipping countering you know not a slugfest you would find in Granville you know Granville strip on a saturday night these guys were actually boxing they were displaying the art of boxing they were you know using their techniques they were having fun out there they were you know they were protecting themselves it was amazing the um what i was watching and um, yeah, I didn't see anyone who had spinal cord injury, um, do it. So this is what we're doing now. This is what we're, we're working on right now.
0: Okay. So would you fight somebody outside of your weight class? Like I'm thinking I would
1: honestly, if, um, I'm thinking where you have speed yeah, and skill, heavyweight and guys
0: got the heavy hands, yeah. right? Yeah. So is that really a factor of this guy's a bigger guy than me, so I can't, I shouldn't be fighting with him? Or is it, well, I've got this, he has that, sort of like tit for tat in that case. Yeah. Because that's where I, I see a gray area in where weight classes might not necessarily be, uh, like, might not be a huge factor mm-hmm. when it comes
1: to... To wheelchair black boxing.
0: Yeah, because because of the fact mm-hmm. that you would have speed where somebody else would have heavy hands. But for somebody who might not understand wheelchair boxing, do weight classes matter?
1: Um, I think they do. I think they should, you know, there's definitely leniencies, you know, mm-hmm. in able-bodied boxing, they meet at one weight and they have to be in that one weight. I think there there could be a, um, a range to stay in, in, in for yeah. sure. But for sure. If you look at me who I am a five, seven dude compared to a guy who's six foot two, um, in the chair, mm-hmm. the guys don't have a longer reach than me Yeah. regardless. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, um, having the co- proper equipment as well, the proper adaptive boxing wheelchairs, which, um, I've, uh, definitely needs to be worked on, um, that, that itself. Yeah. I. I they have them out in the UK, but, you know, we need some here. We need some here and I we need to work on getting the proper equipment to make it equal and fair. You know what I mean? Whether it's a front bumper that needs to be kind of on the sports chair, there's bumpers on the chair, right? Mm-hmm. So you can kind of make contact. Right. And yeah, it needs to be equally matched in terms of the logistics of things. Right. The detailed things like the the bumper, the, the you know, the yeah. And you, all that stuff needs to be looked at for sure, but in terms of weight, like you were asking before, mm-hmm. um I think there's a lot of room to play with there's room to play with for sure, yeah, um it's a point system, right? I hit you, I hit you, flush that's a point for me, yeah. you know you're going to see guys for sure trying to wail at each other and, mm-hmm. and, and, and yeah,
0: what I don't understand is why you wouldn't do the fights anyway and here's here's my debate to mm-hmm. you. When uh, mixed martial arts first came heavy on the scene, yeah. like UFC first started, it was a totally different game than it is now, mm-hmm. right? Like you look at it before, there were no real rules. There were guys that were six foot five fighting guys that were five foot eleven. There was no weight class either. And in some cases they were fighting back to back on the same day. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But now you look at UFC, It's a professional sport, ESPN. There's weight classes. There's multiple forms of champions, females and males. I mean, female into the sport just came in. So even mixed martial arts, in a sense, is pretty new to the sport game as far as becoming professional on a higher level with the other sports like NHL and such, right? Mm -hmm. But it took that nitty gritty Mm -hmm. to sort of take off and sort of make a presence before finally you know, sanctions came in and finally, you know, you go to different states and Mm -hmm. the different boards, right, have different regulations there, right? Mm -hmm. And it sort of became structured. So my question to you is, we're right now, I would say in that nitty gritty form of adaptive boxing, where, you know, like, I didn't know about adaptive boxing before I heard about you, right? So for the public to learn about it, for it to develop, for it to become something that is uh, held, for example, maybe in the Paralympics, Mm -hmm. don't we need that? aspect? Don't we need Leo to go fight so and so in Mexico to sort of like start that conversation or have that news article or have those events happen more regularly so that eventually we do see this? Because in my mind, it's like if you don't do it and there's no boxing match happening, mm-hmm. then there is no adaptive boxing that's growing.
1: Yeah, for sure, and um, that's where like exhibitions and demonstrations and stuff like that. I, I know what you're t- trying to say. Like, yeah, why don't you just go I'm out there you and go fight, <laughs> go out there and do that? You know, go out. Th- you know what? I've been thinking about it for sure. Um, they they asked me. You know, I've been definitely thinking about it for sure, and um, yeah, I mean probably in the the future when when some things happen. But Mm -hmm. again, I don't want to ruin it for for everyone else right now. Like it's more than just me going out there. That's true. It's more you don't want to want to something terrible happens.
0: Yeah, but I mean something terrible happens in a lot of sports. They do. Look at the 2010 Olympics. Some guy was on a sled and he he died. died. Yeah, so terrible things will happen in every sport. Yeah, we see it all all the time. Uh, Goalies in the NHL. Before they didn't have this protective part yeah. here, one of the hockey goalies, I forget who it was, a player fell and the and
1: cut him, right, cut open. him right,
0: right open, like bleeding everywhere. Everyone. And he had to like grab his throat and, and I don't know, I think he almost actually died and, yeah. and he was fine. But uh, like those, those things
1: happen yeah. in
0: every sport, right? But Accidentally. Th- yes. Exactly. Boxing
1: is a, a contact sport. We punch each other.
0: Yeah. Hockey is a contact sport. Yeah. Yeah. But
1: we also like, you know, how about if you look at just put aside the able-bodied stuff right now and look at um, Paralympic sports right now. What other sport has um, some big, big actual punching contact into it?
0: To be honest, I don't know any of the sports that are in the Paralympics other than maybe the ice hockey. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know if they do wrestling for
1: example in the I don't think that someone should just, you know, turn pro. Just turn pro without having like, you know, go to amateurs, you know, do have that amateur background, mm-hmm. you know, represent it's nice to represent a country, take it to that, you know, national level and then fight other people from around the world. Yeah. Rather than other people um, also taking advantage of people who have disabilities on their own card on their own event, okay. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, just um, I'm gonna have a show. I'm gonna have these two people fight. Yeah, you know, and I'm gonna well, keep. Well, are the these t- shows her.
0: adaptive boxing only, no. or are they just boxing in they're general? Boxing in they're boxing in general, and they have an the. Bo- they
1: probably most likely have this.
0: Okay, sorry. Yeah. I assumed that the thing in Mexico was an adaptive yeah. boxing. I
1: don't know a lot of the logistics of things okay. i'm not saying they're bad i'm not saying they're yeah, yeah. they're doing their things their their way yeah. Cong- good good job on them do yeah. i agree on it i don't know yet i don't know yet. it needs to be i need to look at it a little bit more i need to you know you know but do you understand where i'm coming I totally from do is understand. that i don't want to yeah. just you know
0: no i totally understand yeah. and it's the same reason why for example uh, Trust fi- me. fighters won't take specific fights. Like they'll be offered even fights, right? Yeah. Like, Hey Leo, we want you to fight, uh, Sammy, whatever. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know. Like I'm not ready for Sammy yet. You know, like, Sammy Oh, might you're going to talk another- about that. I'm no, ready, no. man. <laughs> I'm ready. You know what?
1: Honestly, I want, I, I, I honestly want to a hundred percent. I really, really do want to fight. Yeah. But
0: it's got to be, this right
1: is, circumstances. we're at, we're at, the point right now where where a lot of people don't see it like this but this is like you know the frontier of it you know this is yeah. you know this is the build-up you know this is so if anything happens like it's just going to set it a little bit back you know mm-hmm. i don't want it to set it back i want it to just have a good flow up you know i need it yeah you know to happen right and for sure people around the world are going to be doing that but what kind of an example would i be if i you know if something like that was to happen and And puts the sport back a little bit. Mm -hmm. But for sure, something like that big fight needs to happen. It does, it does need to happen. It will happen. It will happen. I do see myself rolling into that ring and actually going in for a a fight. Mm -hmm. I really do. I actually see it. And we'll see what everyone says, you know. We'll see how the government and all the officials and everything involved says if they do sanction. If it doesn't, I don't know. I don't know, I just go down there. We do know that there
0: was supposed to be a fight on the 21st, I yes. believe. <laughs> but because of everything going on with the coronavirus, mm-hmm. which has like shocked the world with like in every direction, um, that fight is not happening or is postponed.
1: Yeah. Correct, yeah.
0: So, who were you supposed to fight?
1: We were going to do a round robin kind of case okay. in terms of um we were thinking about the round robin. Mhm case um leading up to the 21st again the guys um you know we would be full out sparring you know mm-hmm. headgear mouth guard you know gloves sparring gloves on everything on you know and we would be um yeah we'd be sh- we would be fighting we would be displaying boxing too we would only do the two two minute rounds Mm -hmm. You know and then because we only have so much time on this massive show. Yeah, um, you know There's other professionals fighting on the card too. Was the
0: full show also adaptive or was it boxing? No,
1: this is professional strictly professional right and it was
0: put on by Alliance Alliance Boxing Boxing Promotions
1: Promotions, Where they're doing a great job Alliance Promotions is is bringing boxing back on the fire Mm -hmm. here bringing Mexican fighters up top or people around the globe Mm -hmm. here bringing people together and even having, which is very important, having our local pros here, mm-hmm. young pros here, um, really, you know, having a spotlight on them too and destroying the stigma. I don't know about Vancouver, about boxing or, you know, it's 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 great what they're doing. Definitely. Uh, Shout out to, I think it was Anne or Anna. Anna. Aaron, and uh, Daniel. And Daniel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, they're doing a great I mean, job a um, and other a lot of the other people's behind the scenes, too, mm-hmm. on promoting and marketing, all this stuff, they're doing a great job. But you do have a goal of getting
0: like this put into, I guess, the Paralympics. Yeah. Correct. And nice. I didn't know that boxing wasn't already in the Paralympics.
1: Yeah. Uh, Able bodied boxing is okay. in the, for amateur level. Yeah, for sure. It is in the Olympics. Um, no, no, I know it's in the
0: Olympics, yeah. but in the Paralympics.
1: Oh, for Paralympics. No, Yeah, it's, it's not in. Right.
0: No. So how does one, or I guess not one, but how does a collective
1: try to get the Paralympics to put a sport in? There's, I mean, in terms of the politics of things, um, I'm, just, I'm just hacking into it right now in terms of, of seeing what needs to be done. Again, the biggest thing is the discussion around the world. If someone does it first you know first world country does it first that's a massive thing Mm -hmm. i could see it maybe happening in the uk or 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 um wales first where they're trying to i think they're trying to do their own league there right now um i can i can say that where i'm in discussion with them we're all talking together um once that happens i need to definitely um start talking to canada and um and, you know, United States and then there's Africa. There's a couple of people in Africa who want to do it too. Mm -hmm. Um, Mexico, you know, Brazil, you know, a lot of people ask me about this um, online, right? So Uh, is there
0: like an association or affiliation where all of these people are sort of pushing this or are each of you kind of just being like, yeah, I, I'd love for this topic and I'd love to. No, there's people pushing for it. No, no,
1: there's there's pushing the people pushing for it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I am starting to push for it now. Um, and uh, people in the UK are starting to push for it, too. Um, yeah, there's people there's definitely people pushing for it, trying to get it regulated in their country, you know. Um, yeah, it's going to take for- a little bit of pushing, though. Yeah. For everybody
0: listening or watching, the way it works is that you must have, I guess, a sanctioned body in the country that oversees that sport. And then all the other countries must have those sanctioned bodies associated as well. Yeah. There Which then be. puts a world sort of like ranking, mm-hmm. and then it could become
1: yes. a Paralympic sport. A certain amount of countries have to be involved. How many do you For know? Sure? Uh, no, not that. We're gonna now. make it up. twenty. nine, nine or ten, something. It's <laughs> okay, not that's crazy. Not too it's not bad. crazy. Yeah, um, probably something like that. But um, I, yeah, and I also again, uh, the equipment wise, what's not allowed, what's allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, how yeah. many ounce gloves? Yeah, how many ounce gloves? Um, what do you
0: guys do now? Four
1: ounce? Eight no, ounce? no, I, I mean, we spar with sixteen ounce gloves. Oh wow. Yeah, sixteen ounce gloves. Yeah, they're massive. But yeah, right. it would probably go down to like you know ten ounce. There's yeah, yeah, ten ounce gloves. There's uh, yeah, fourteen ounce gloves. Yeah, that hasn't. Those are just the little details of the grand scheme of things, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, we all need to go under a one rule fits all though. That's mm-hmm. we all need to agree on you know, in in able bodied boxing, there's three rounds, three minute rounds. There's Mm -hmm. rules, there's an eight count, all that. You know, there's there's all these rules that clicked to that. So we come together, which we are all of our like we're all learning from each other and Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's 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 becoming a thing. It's there's definitely a high popularity of it. People watch my videos on uh, Instagram at Samorelli or uh, yeah, they they, they are interested. They're asking questions and yeah, I, I can see it happen for sure. Mm-hmm. I could see it happen. And it's happening right as we speak. <laughs> well, yeah, it is.
0: Yeah. And there's also a documentary being made as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to talk a bit
1: about that? Uh, Black Rhino.
0: Black Rhino creative.
1: I. You're lucky enough to get a hat. I, I yeah. haven't earned my hat. Or you'll get your hat too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Black Rhino they're doing a documentary on um, the community mm-hmm. and like that's the aspect of community and the boxing and wheelchair-adaptive boxing in my class itself um, West Coast wheelchair-adaptive boxing mm-hmm. is a society name and uh, we do that out in rain city boxing um, great fighters there okay so we know that the documentary is happening right now
0: they're filming it right now It's uh, in partnership with Black Rhino Creative Mm -hmm. for the filmmakers. And then we have AMI, which is the channel to which that this is going to be broadcasted on. Right. So how did this happen? How did this come to be? Why did AMI and Black Rhino decide to do this? Yeah. So how did you get part of it? Like, How (laughs) did you get in the mix before
1: they were shooting? um, I have one of my swimming coaches, Marianne. Um, She's an amazing coach, um, accomplished many things. Um, And AMI no, and Black Rhino teamed up with, with uh, her and a blind swimmer that crossed the English Channel, Um, and I guess they had a talk, and she put me down as a good reference to them, and um, they checked me out, and they saw I was legit, and yeah, they yeah we met up and we discussed what this would be all about, and how the community be, how it would be focused more on the community and the people are who are involved to it. And it and it gets down to the, um, you know, to the each individual in my class who are actually going to participate in this sparring event, the the, the wheelchair adaptive boxing event. And it really, um, yeah, it goes in depth about, you know, what they do, what, you know, what they do their whole life, you know, Daryl, Mitch and Paul, um, you know, they all come from a different background, um, kind of similar disabilities. Uh, all spinal cord injury and Mm -hmm. they, yeah, go in depth, you know, they're other, they play other sports too. And we all meet together to do this boxing, wheelchair boxing.
0: So then the documentary encompasses more than just you. It's It's about community. Yeah.
1: It's really about community and um, how it brings people together. And yeah.
0: That's awesome. Do we know when the release date will
1: be? I think they will be um, probably airing it or something like that in the summer. Okay. Um, as I know, I'm not too sure, but I'm pretty sure it's, yeah, I think it's in the summer uh, there definitely needs to be a uh final closure, a final end of the film fight kind of thing definitely. which is gonna be pretty cool, and yeah, that's what we're working on, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it just goes to show you that you can you know accomplish anything if you really put your your mind to it and have the right attitude towards mm-hmm. those things. attitude is huge it is it it's is not
0: huge. the end all be all mm-hmm. like you can't just be like, I'm going to win this fight and you're going to yeah. win it. But it is a huge part of it. It is. So you did mention that you were a little bit nervous. Yeah. Do your nerves ever go away before a fight now? Or do you always have them?
1: Um, I, I typically do have them until I hit that ring and then I start moving around. And then, yeah, I just, I, I'm nervous. I just want to get in that ring. Um, How I, far
0: before the fight do you start feeling those nerves?
1: Um, Probably when I just warm up. Right. So the day time. of. Yeah, the day of okay. yeah, everything's pretty smooth, you know, it's just yeah. little butterflies. But I've, I, I I, know that I've been training so hard for that moment and and it, it goes right away mm-hmm. right after it's, it's good. It's good. It means that I have energy that I'm pumped, you know, like I'm thinking Definitely. all this. Right. It's a good it's a good sign. Um, I would be worried if I didn't have it. I would be worried if I didn't have it for sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, long would you fight.
0: rather have won or would you rather win? an Olympic medal or win a championship boxing belt.
1: Probably pro. uh championship boxing belt. Why? Um, I think it's just that. Uh, yeah, I mean. I like, you know, having those more more rounds and like, you know, there's a different there's definitely a difference between pro and amateur mm-hmm. for sure. You can get away with things an amateur and you can get away with things in pro, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, four rounds, you know, and then you move out to eight and then you twelve or whatever like that. Um, I would have definitely liked to to win that twelfth round, right? Or get that knockout. And no have no headgear as well. Mm-hmm. When I at the time when I was doing amateur they they didn't have headgear. And now they put back the headgear. Yeah. You know, which I didn't really like. Um I didn't like headgear. But uh the pros, yeah Definitely like WBC belt or something like that. That would have been cool for sure. And maybe even fighting at the Madison Square Garden, where Muhammad Ali, would the greatest, have fought there. You know, everyone what I mean? wants
0: to fight at Madison Square yeah. Garden. Who knows? Everyone everyone maybe to one do day. Do something at Madison Square Garden. Maybe uh, I'll fight
1: there one yeah. day, right? Yeah. At the amateur, I mean, with uh, wheelchair boxing. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> after after that rehab whole thing. Okay. Yeah. I want to just tra- travel back because a lot of stuff Let's happened back there. A little bit. Yeah. Um, I. Immediately after the rehab at G.S. Strong, I actually got involved with um, another rehab. I wasn't satisfied with the rehab there. Mm -hmm. I went to Atlanta, Georgia, um, convinced my friends and family were convincing me to go there to get that better rehab there, Atlanta, Georgia. And um, I was, yeah, I did my more rehab there. I got involved in many studies, too, around the states, exoskeleton studies. Using robotics and oh, stuff right. like that. Oh right! I was
0: gonna ask you about that because yeah. I saw on your Instagram you were walking. Yeah. In this
1: exoskeleton crazy machine, which is a rehab device. Is it called sure. an exo? Or it's were... an exoskeleton. There's men, there's a couple out there right now, but uh, they're mainly focused on the rehabilitation, not functional going out there and okay. uh, the everyday use. So how far are we away from um, having something like that? Uh it's. I think we're a little far, far away, but there's been uh, big advances Mm -hmm. and studies and stuff like that. Um, For spinal cord injury, we have the epidural stimulator right now, which is uh, implanted on the level of the injury in, in your spine right now. So like a little receiver kind of thing where it can bypass where the injury is. And, oh, cool. and it can go through this device and, and reconnect. There's lots of, and then you got the stem cells things and then you got all this other things. Yeah, so I, I think, um, you know, I think we're on the right track for spinal cord injury. And, yeah. and I think um, yeah. so is
0: that an option for you?
1: There is an option for, for yes, for sure. Um, so studies is there a happen. reason
0: why you're not,
1: um, you just don't want to be you the know, first person to do it? I don't want to, yeah, why would I get the first generation iPod yeah. when I know that another iPod is gonna come out when I'm ready? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to to spend because it's I know if I'm gonna do that that I have to put that I have to put countless hours. I will do it with a hundred percent. I will mm-hmm. make that thing my. I'll own that. You know. Yeah. I will. I will do it to my full. And right now, um, yeah, I, I don't have that right now. I don't have that time right
0: but now. But you can see that in the future. I could
1: see that definitely in the future for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can definitely see that in the future. So how
0: will that change? Because right now you're in this place where you're doing adaptive boxing. Yeah. But that could actually get you out of adaptive yes, boxing.
1: That's the whole thing, right? It's um uh, coming across something that is a non invasive thing would be nice. I know mm-hmm. that they're doing studies right now which a non invasive device. Mm-hmm. They put it outside of the body instead of lodged inside your back. Okay. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um but again. Uh, we're going to take a look, sit back and, and just see, see what the, the outcome is and mm-hmm. I'm ready as if, if there is something right, right now like that, I'm, I'm definitely going to keep up to date with it and again, try it out for sure. I'm um, awesome. yeah, it's definitely a must, a must do. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can get a function back, even just moving my foot or moving a toe or, or getting something back for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. You, you got me take it all for granted. Granted, you know, in, in terms of getting out of your bed with no pain and and, and and using your legs and taking a walk, going for a walk, you know, I'm on a strict, you know, I need to empty the bladder out every four to six, you know, four hours. Yeah, you know, there's no sensation there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of com- complications that come with spinal cord injury. 4 hours you're lucky. I can I barely mean, hold depending my, on what.
0: But I drink coffee non-stop. Yeah, we're talking I'm about
1: depending on how much bathroom, you drink yeah. or something like that. I should be drinking more and that that's just a rough number I have yeah. in my head. Um but yeah, 100%. There's people yeah. yeah. There's people all over the spectrum in terms of what they need to do and how they have to maintain themselves and you know, there's it, it's it's pretty yeah. Pretty crazy.
0: I'm going to ask you a question. I hope it's not, it doesn't offend you. Yeah. But it's a real question. Yeah. So, I mean, with everybody, I'm sure something happens in everybody's life. That is a huge bummer, Mm -hmm. but off that huge negative off, like everything that you've endured, Mm -hmm. a huge positive. Something follows that, right? In your case, you experienced a huge negative. Turned into a pretty big positive, I would say, to get into a position where you're wanting to put, uh, you know, like boxing in the Paralympics, where you're still fighting what, you know, what you assumed you couldn't do before. Mm-hmm. And not just that, you persevered over that. And I feel like it probably gave you a bit, um, not a chip on your shoulder, but like it motivated you even more to be a stronger person.
1: Mm-hmm
0: so with everything that's happened now with everything that you know now going back to that moment of when you got shot do you find that getting shot in the back and losing Mm
1: -hmm. the
0: support of your limbs maybe in a way altered your life to actually be more beneficial almost or like um i don't want to say a bittersweet surprise but being able to take something that's so negative and what most people would be so traumatized over and so upset over turning into a positive and being able to do so much with it. Are you happy with the way things turned out? I mean, or is this kind of like, well, this is just my road now. Like this is just where it led and I'm just kind of going with it. I'm nor happy nor sad about it. It's just the scenario. Mm -hmm. But in the case that you are in, are you in some way happy and fulfilled with what's happened? Or are you still in sort of a state of, I don't want to say uncertainty, but a state of I'm just I am
1: what I, where I am. I think I'm happy. Yeah, I'd say that's a very good question. Um, I am happy where I am, um, for sure. There's times where you, I feel like I'm not happy for 100 percent. But I'd say, yeah, I think I'm a product of, of my the environment I I, I was I'm in mm-hmm. uh, the the support from the community to raise money for me to go out to Atlanta Georgia and sparring partners and family and friends across seas and and everywhere um, supporting me to do you know I'm a product of, of of all those you know the love people are sharing and 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 giving back to me and I just want to give that back in a way too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do talks at schools and stuff like that. Right. And and I do a lot other things, but I, I want to give back. And um, I am happy on the direction I'm going right now. And I have still a lot of things to prove. And I always push the limits as you, you know, if you've seen or heard about the things I do. And I'll continue pushing the limits and hopefully inspiring others to get out there because, man, there's so many people out there who have a worse thing that a worse situation than me. I don't want to compare or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But after even I was I discharged from from uh, from my rehab, I went to down to Cambodia, I was able to bring the medical supplies there for mm-hmm. with um, a, a great friend of mine. And um, she gave me the, the great opportunity to go down there. And, and I was scared at first, you know, but everyone saw me there and they were in awe because there's no one out there like me. It doesn't exist. People with spinal cord injury don't exist out there. Yeah, they die. They're dead. dead. Once this happens, they're dead. There's no stabilizing. There's no nothing. There's no help. You know, there's these kids out there, right? These Lovely, lovely kids. I was at the orphanage there with and um, they don't get the same opportunities as as me and you would Mm -hmm. get. So the best thing that happened to me is is actually stepping out of my, my own self. Me, me, me. No, you got to step out of yourself and look at others around you. You know, you're not the only one going through a rough time right now. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom, my family. You know, these kids in Cambodia—they don't have family any, or anything like that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all they got is themselves. You know, and and you know, it could be anywhere around the world, right? Yeah. Um, it, that that itself just inspired me. Um, to keep going and even doing my rehab in the States. I met someone that was shot nine times. A lady, a a lady that was shot nine times. Um, Angry boyfriend came home with his automatic pistol and lit her up. Just crazy. She's a quadriplegic. And there's so many stories. We all have a story out there. Um, Again, our attitude, our support, you know, the loved ones around us. I'm that's why I say I'm a product of my environment. Everyone who knows me who showed me love, care, compassion. And yeah, I uh, that's all I have. Yeah. I'll continue doing what I'm doing and moving on that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I just want to end
0: it by saying that there are people that are in your circumstance that don't do as much as you do or that are stuck in a rut or are still in depression. 10, 15 yeah. years later, or just kind of sat back and said, Well, my life is in a chair. But I look at your Instagram, it's not just
1: the boxing that you do, mm-hmm. you know, you do a lot of other things yeah. you, too. Did the Grand Fondo, 123 kilometers. The, that was a big one, big push for me from Vancouver to Whistler in a hand cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little victory and you get that little snowball effect, which is you got to keep up and doing it and, and, and get better. But you can't help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. And it's you that has to make the decision. Look, I want to do better. I want to do better. I want to I want to get out of this hole, this mm-hmm. dark hole where I dug uh, where I'm in right now. And I want to get out of this and, and make it better and having a proper support system. But at the end of the day, it's you that has to make that decision you have to want it you ha- want to to change you have to and definitely. if you can't do it no one can force you to definitely yeah
0: so leo we're going to end it off unless there's anything else you want to say before we finish
1: um yeah just uh follow me at um at on instagram there's lots of uh videos and workouts adaptive workouts and um you got me on facebook as well my facebook page is the same thing and the motto I go with, the motto I go with um, on there is "Can't stop, won't stop." It's a, it's a saying I keep to my, I say to myself, um, and you know, and it can be in any aspect, you know. Mm-hmm. Can't stop, won't stop.
0: And Rain City Boxing.
1: Rain City Boxing, uh, come try it out. It's it's. Uh, um, I have my class for all the adaptive athletes or people just in, uh, any any kind of disability come out to uh, West Coast wheelchair adaptive boxing, which is held in Rain City Boxing itself. And um, if if anyone just wants to learn how to box, Rain City Boxing as well. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's And is there an I international
0: there. or national association for people who aren't in Vancouver that might be listening to this that do want to try adaptive boxing? Mm-hmm. Like, is there somewhere they can go to find more information?
1: Yeah, maybe they can uh, give me give me a shout or message me, and I'll be able to steer them in a direction, in, in someone's, and I'd give them, yeah, someone's, someone's direction, because I am in contact with a lot of people around the world, so, doing similar things. Do we have a name for the
0: uh, documentary that's coming out?
1: Uh, Black Rhino?
0: Yeah. Uh, it's, well, it's, it's part of a series called Our Community, and it's, is episode name, is
1: Okay. Oh, okay. I didn't cool. Know that. Eh? Rolling with the There punch. you go. You should have
0: been like dodging bullets. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I guess stay tuned for Rolling with the Punches episode, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, anything else? No. All
1: I right. just again want to thank everyone out there who's been supporting me and uh, uh, my friends, my family and yeah thank you very much for this opportunity dude thank you for sharing yeah, i'm story. sure y'all be sure. back here when oh definitely i've done some crazy i want to see stuff.
0: a belt and maybe a an belt. olympic medal at the same time <laughs> and then whatever i don't know what they're gonna do but i hope that you do come back and i hope that we do see a belt and then um you know what, maybe we'll set up
1: for rank two. Uh, Ring yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll put it to the test. This is just the beginning. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure this is just the beginning. Oh hey,
0: real quick, can people who aren't in wheelchair try the adaptive boxing for sure. anyway? For sure. There you go. So if you're not in a wheelchair and you just want to try the adaptive boxing, head down to Rain Sleep Boxing. Talk to Leo. Get a lesson or two. Why not? Um but yeah, unless you Or just
1: one in- to box in general, I still teach.
0: There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, check that out. And um, otherwise, this is the end of the No Fun City podcast. Leo, anything else? This is your last
1: chance. Oh, no, shout out to Alliance uh, Promotions. And, uh, yeah, thanks for the great opportunity, for sure. Yeah,
0: And stay tuned. And hopefully, they put up that event again 100%. once all this corona stuff ends. Um, as for myself, you can catch me on youtube or all your favorite podcast platforms if you are listening to this and you'd like to watch the episode you can do that on the youtube channel we just launched the no fun city channel on its own where you can catch full episodes and highlights otherwise you can catch it on my own personal youtube channel but there will only be full episodes there so if you want highlights you got to go to the youtube channel other than that i'd really really appreciate it if you took a moment to review the podcast on your podcast platform whether it be apple google all that jazz this is the end of the no fun city podcast peace out Today's episode of the No Fun City Podcast is brought to you by Black Rhino Creative. Check out their Tell a Story Hive docuseries, Red Chef Revival, and be sure to check them out at BlackRhinoCreative.com. Black Rhino Creative, a long story short.